Hi, welcome to episode 17 of the American Coin-Op podcast titled Perfecting Your Equipment Mix. I'm your host and editor of the magazine, Bruce Beggs. Whether shopping for laundry equipment for a new store or looking to retool or upgrade an existing operation, the machines that a self-service laundry owner selects stand to have a lasting effect on their operation. My guest today is Joel Jorgensen, Vice President of Sales for commercial laundry equipment manufacturer Continental Gerbao, Inc. He also currently serves as Chairman of the Coin Laundry Association Board of Directors. Joel has 25 years of industry experience, including expertise in vended laundry development and operations, as well as on-premise, textile care, multi-housing, commercial, and industrial laundry channels. Joel joins me from his office in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Good morning, Joel, and welcome to the American Coin Out Podcast. Good morning, Bruce. Glad to be with you. When we hear the term equipment mix used in our industry, what exactly does that mean? Generally, Bruce, it refers to washers and dryers and, and their respective capacities, and, and certainly the, the counts or numbers of those washers and dryers in a store. You know, other equipment should always be, and we remind people, should be considered as part of the mix because it's really a staged function in our store spaces um, so that the conversation cannot be limited to just washers and dryers and have to include changers, VTMs, you know, soap vending, carts, certainly uh, folding tables and, and counters, it all feeds part of that store design and the workflow. So that is very, very important to consider when discussing general terms of equipment mix. Where would you rank having the proper equipment mix in terms of developing a successful self-service laundry? Well, to answer that, I think I'll break the equipment mix rank out into two different categories and and. The two categories would be existing stores and, and new store development. So with existing stores, the equipment mix is critical. And it's really critical, Bruce, to, to review the equipment mix on a regular basis. And I would say that's every three to five years. Uh, neighborhoods evolve, competition evolves, traffic flow evolves. And through that transition, you really have to rank that review and you know, your ability to address the market needs and transitions through the capacity adjustments in your store. And so, you know, with established locations, that, again, rises. All the other considerations of location are fixed. So now you're really into maintaining the sustainability of your service in that market. Okay, so that's that's why it ranks so high. Uh, mix and capacity options sometimes are limited in those existing stores and spaces to utilities and infrastructure, and sometimes even access. Um, so really when contemplating a mixed change, the whole project scope and, and all those considerations have to be considered to maximize the, the impact on that change and, and what it might do to your workflow and, and space overall. Okay. So secondly, new stores. The rank's lower because, you know, in the scope of the, of the total project, you really have to take care of the location and site selection first, and that happens with a you know a market valuation, and and you have to negotiate a lease or a location purchase. So those certainly are going to rise to the top above mix. Um, once you determine that location and all the qualifiers are done, now your site development takes over, and obviously with that, the same considerations would come in, and and the highest rank is certainly mix and customer and workflow through that space. So in both cases discussed, don't forget to re 
review you know the dryer and and the dryer capacity with with wash and certainly folding we look at that from entering the store to exiting the store in that customer cycle that there are certainly three logical steps in washing quick and efficient transfer to drying folding and then out the door and making that that all-important parking space available for the next paying customer. What factors are generally used in determining a store's equipment mix? And beyond that, should an investor or a store owner, you know, seek help when trying to make this decision? Yeah, I'll bring your first or your second question up first, and I'd always seek qualified help. I mean, let's face it, we, we go online to seek help for a restaurant decision. <laughs> right. you know, if I'm buying a kayak, I'm going to go and, and ask qualified help, and you're going to make a... a you know, multi-thousand dollar and, and long-term decision, it only makes sense for professional co- uh, consultation with a qualified distributor, proven track record, and by all means, they've got to have uh, strong references. So they've got to have experience in that market of success, and that track record should be very, very clear. By the way, a factors in determining the equipment mix, we always start with a market uh, demographic analysis. Um, and again, I'll go back to new and or existing stores. Most distributors, um, many, if not all manufacturers, and certainly the Coin Laundry Association is a neutral party, all offer demographic services. And, and they're very high-level analysis that are available today that don't just include you know, population demographics. It also includes traffic count, sometimes competitive analysis, um, and, and it's all out there and publicly available for you. So that's super important. And then really once that competitive survey and, and the market analysis is done, um, you're going to dig into the overall market valuation and see how you might rank in that market of, of competition um, and then start analyzing, you know, square footage and what you have space for. So, you know, I'll, I'll get into the, the point of the the market review, all of that comes into an overall possibility of what volume of business you might do in that neighborhood or, or market area. So you really you combine that with some reasonable assumptions of, of market share and potential revenue. And then what's done with your professional consultant is you'll come up with a, a conservative pro forma to look at what the impact of the equipment mix might have and then start moving forward into store design. Okay, so from there, square footage and dimension of the space is super important. The days of the 12 to 1,500 square foot stores are probably past us. They still exist in many markets, and they're, they're viable service areas and, and services. But, you know, 2,500 to 3,500 is more the norm. More capacity options and all important vend values. So when you're doing that market analysis, understand that you're going to com- be competing not just with other stores in the market, but also apartment buildings, many times household laundries. And the way you review pricing and capacities should certainly have a review of what type of laundry services are available in that market. Okay. Moving forward, becoming again more common 5,000 square foot stores. So moving away from the 1970s and 80s with with smaller spaces and maybe two different vent values, now we're into 5,000 square foot stores and you have four to six, you know, capacity options with them vent values 
and varied laundry services with dry cleaning, textile care, and other services. So you're, you're really drafting even a bigger geographic and demographic appeal to the market. You look no further than really what's happening in, in grocery and big box retailers. So this is a mirror effect of what's evolving in laundry, Bruce. Uh, with the bigger spaces and more multitude of services, you, you become a weekly destination is really the fact. Let's continue to talk about that that space issue. Take that a little bit further. It seems like self-service laundries that have that space, and, and perhaps these 5,000 square foot stores are a perfect example of that, they're trending toward offering larger capacity equipment, you know, equipment that's some so large that a customer could conceivably wash all of their laundry in one machine. How has this greater interest in larger capacities influenced vended equipment mix? Well, it's been trending for a lot of years. You know, some regions and, and store owners that have unique foresight have been putting large equipment, uh, large capacity equipment in their stores for years. Actually, well before even some of the manufacturers made vending options available on their big equipment, these store owners and distributors would fit a vending device from a, 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 a vending machine or, or some other payment system onto our on-premise machines. And I saw that in, in Philly and California in the 1990s. Um, and, the, you know, they were trendsetters. Um, so we finally, as manufacturers, caught up and said, wow, there is a market appeal for this. And really have been have been pushing this because it comes down to income per square foot and that analysis and the efficiency of how you use your square footage and really offering something unique to the customers that they can't see in the apartment buildings they can't see in other laundromats in the area or find anywhere else so a lot of the stores Bruce will will focus their marketing around the big mammoth machines and it's kind of funny but they sometimes name them. So it becomes an entity in, inside the store. So the, the influence the, to the rest of the store, um, it's, it's larger capacity stacks. You certainly have a lot of single pocket dryers now with, with reversing, so you're inviting those big bulky loads that the competition and or the apartment buildings just can't process. So that impact of the, of the capacity and, and position uh, of those big machines has a ripple effect on the rest of the store, too. Um, and, and that's something that could be an oversight sometimes. But um, you're talking sight lines. You're talking um, security in the store. You're talking aisle space. You know, even look at the carts and capacities of those carts sometimes have to be addressed based on the large capacity offering that you have in your laundry. How important is it to balance drying capacity with wash capacity, and what can happen if that isn't done properly? Well, a lot of stores back in the day were built with improper ratios, you know, at the time. So now to go in and, and add wash capacity without any, you know, any consideration of dry would, would certainly be a mistake. Um, it's done a lot, but you're going to run into very quickly, you know, log jams during peak period of business on weekends. You know, when stores are doing a large percent of their volume, um, all of a sudden you get a you get a log jam at the dryers. Customers are dissatisfied. They're arguing over which dryer you know they're in line for, and then it even trickles down to folding tables and and the ability to move them through that customer circuit. How have the technological advances we find in our industry today, high speed performance, programmable controls, networking, mobile payment, you name it. How have those advances influenced equipment mix? 
it's not my original thought. Obviously, I hang around with a really a lot of really smart people. Uh, <laughs> make that my business, but uh, you know, it's clear the smart business owners are always going to accommodate customers in any any practical way they want to pay. I haven't seen uh, any anybody accepting Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies, but who knows? That might be around the corner. Um, it's it's crazy the the way and speed this payment and the options and the way people want and expect to be able to to pay and satisfy our ever growing vend prices and I, I say that not because we're skyrocketing in in load cost we're skyrocketing in capacity and and large capacity machines so the twelve and fourteen dollar vend brings with it forty quarters. Mm. So we, we really have to get away from that quarter increment, you know, payment and the payment system technology and, and you know, the store management influence is, is key. So that's, that's a big part of it. So, you know, you're talking 50 to 70 washers, four and five washer capacities and varied vent prices. And, and that's what's driving us further and further away from a, a quarter-based transaction. The other part of that, Bruce, um, and the store management and alternative payment and POS systems, um, you know, you've got attendance handling cash. You've got over-the-counter sales. Um, you've got POS systems tied to dry cleaning partnerships and, and textile care, pickup and delivery. Depending on the scope of a store service offerings, which you've kind of referenced to, what equipment besides washers and dryers might become part of the mix? I'm thinking maybe like a flatwork ironer, you know, something along those lines. Talk about that aspect of it. What equipment besides washers and dryers might a laundry uh, want to incorporate in their operation? Yeah, I'll stay on the self-service floor um, initially, and it's, uh, I'd say, back-of-house consideration, but a lot of consideration and interest in these uh, ozonation systems. Um, they're on the rise. Uh, the public is educated. There's a lot of tangible environmental and efficiency. You know, it, it leads to, to more manageable store odor, control where you have open troughs um, certainly everybody loves an open trough from a serviceability standpoint but you have to you have to manage the lint and, and the maintenance of that ozonation has a direct impact on it and the customer benefits are there too um, we're seeing customers coming in and, and reacting positively to to ozonated load, uh, loads and the sanitation aspect of it I'll take it off the self-service floor and you brought you nice lead uh, but ironing, um, and the 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 real trend. It's been around for a number of years. But laundromats and their idle capacity during the week, um, they're oftentimes pursued by by different markets, um, whether it's day clinics or restaurants, want, wanting an alternative for the rentals, uh, the rental service industry that's out there, and and they'll be approached and say, hey, can you wash? the high school or the middle school's towel loads, or can you, can you I've got a small hotel. So the, the commercial work and the laundromat's involvement in commercial work in particular um, has driven into designated machines in a work area for, uh, you know, staff only with that ironing systems. And then it's also driving some of the self-service business to realize that laundromats um, and their drop-off uh, alternatives for table coverings, certainly comforters and, and so forth. And that's, that's again, just kind of parlayed into a, an option of ironing systems being seen in laundromats, which five or six years ago you'd say never. 
today it's becoming commonplace. Carts and changers are commonplace in self-service laundries, and it's not uncommon for there to be items like vending machines or, or video games. How do they figure into a store's equipment mix, if at all? I'll say carts and changers are common, but you know, as a, a 2,000-square-foot uh, industry uh, evolves into five and six and 7,000 square feet, the placement of those common changers and, and VTMs, uh, there, there's got to be more of them. They've got to be customer convenient. And again, part of that work and customer flow consideration. Um, so to our carts, yes, they're common, but carts have to have varying sizes today. It's key consideration. You've got to size those just like you do the equipment today. Um, and you have to store them when, when they're not being used and, and make them conveniently available for parking lot use and, and the customers inside the store. So don't you know, look over the, the commonality of carts and changers in your sizing and, and workflow. Um, as far as video games, there's different philosophies. I stay more oriented around laundry and the, the orientation of those services. Really the vending and, and counter retail sales are growing in our business. So the growing frequency of attendance um, kind of feeds to that counter, that counter retail as an option to vending machines. So as spaces and equipment get larger, so too must aisles. And the consideration of large capacity uh, machines feeds back to more carts and larger carts. So your aisle width has to be considered, you know, back to store and, and product and customer flow during weekends and busy times. A 90-pound washer vending for 12 to $14, and we'll talk about the, the accessibility. If a customer comes in and loads that super valuable machine, and maybe there's only two of them, and loads it up, and they're all ready, and then they realize they don't have soap or they, they need more change, I mean, this feeds back to the alternative payment systems. It feeds back to the, the availability and accessibility of, of soap vending and, and certainly changers and or being able to load your your payment system or your in-store card with value, and that all goes back to the productivity of that machine because you aren't making any money if it's sitting idle with a, with a customer load in it searching for, for soap or, right. or vending. We've talked about a lot of different things today, Joel, and, and covered a lot of different areas with regard to equipment mix. Uh, but apart from what we've already talked about, can you offer any final tips about determining the proper equipment mix to the, the store owners or to the investors who are listening today? Uh, yeah, one, one thing, I, you know, I talked to a lot of customers over the years, and there's always hesitation by either existing or would-be investors that will, will people really use that size of machine? The answer is yes. And whether we're talking about a 60 or a, an 80 or you know, 90 or a, a 130, um, the answer is yes. And don't ever make the mistake of buying just one. All you're going to do, and, and believe me, they'll be popular. Don't make the mistake because all it does really is incite issues if you have one of anything. Um, what's funny is, again, learn from store owners. They'll, they'll take reservations for their very popular large capacity oh, you're, machines. You're kidding. I didn't realize that. Wow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, never buy one of anything. That's one piece of insight. And I, I think I want to address something that we all know, but we live in a, a more now society. So take the initiative to, to give the market more than they're used to and expect. And they certainly don't expect it from a, from a laundromat because it carries with it a stigma. I'll, I'll call it good news. 
but our industry is largely, you know, undiscovered by the general public, meaning the average Joe, Joe public doesn't even see or understand how they might fit in as a laundromat customer. So it's really our job as an industry to present the multitude of laundry services we offer today. And that comes with capacities and service levels beyond just that the consumer coming in, loading their own machine, making their own determination on how much time and what capacities that they're going to use and spend in that store. So, you know, we get a lot to sell. We sell time and we sell task saving conveniences that can free up time. You know, it's a premium for everybody today. So what's funny story. I was a, I found myself after being in the industry for 25 years, Bruce, without laundry equipment as I transitioned, you know, into a, to a new home. And I found out that that drop off and, and that self-service, you know, business that I've been representing for all these years is really nice. It's really convenient. <laughs> yes, it is. And we just, so we've got to get the word out. I shared it with friends and they, they were astounded. They had no idea that you could drive up to a store, drop off your laundry and, and five or six hours later, go and pick it up. So with an automated, uh, automated billing system. I'll, I'll end by saying, you know, try something new, be innovative. Don't be afraid to, to offer premium prices for premium services and capacities. And uh, I really want to thank American CoinOp for your, your educational uh, series that you're, you're running, Bruce, and your time today. Oh, thank you, Joel. Joel Jorgensen, Vice President of Sales for Commercial Laundry Equipment Manufacturer Continental Gerbao, Inc., and also current chairman of the Coin Laundry Association Board of Directors. Thanks again for your time, Joel. I really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. The American Coin Op Podcast is a production of American Trade Magazine's LLC in Chicago with music written by Nazar Ryback and provided by Hook Sounds. You can learn more about our monthly podcasts at our website, AmericanCoinOp.com. And I encourage you to send your podcast feedback, including your topic suggestions, to my email, bbags at atm. AGS.com. For American Coin Op, this is editor Bruce Beggs saying your cycle is up.